0: I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Zephaniah chapter 3, Zephaniah chapter 3, and um, Brendan Manning says this, in the last analysis, faith is not the sum of our beliefs or a way of speaking or a way of thinking, it is a way of living. And it can be articulated only in living practice. Brennan Banning said, in the last analysis, faith is not the sum of our beliefs. I can
1: see that this needs to be tightened. Now I won't pop everybody's
0: ears off. And the last analysis, faith is not the sum of our beliefs or the way of speaking or the way of thinking. It is a way of living and can be articulated only in a living practice. Only can be articulated in a living practice. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for what you're doing in and through our midst. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would be glorified and honored. That you would be lifted up, that you will draw all men unto yourself. And Lord, we ask that as we open your word, it would become alive, sharper than any two-edged sword, revealing the, the the very thoughts of our lives, that Lord, we will in fact bring them before you, and that Lord, you will not just change our thoughts, not just change our thinking, just not change just the things that we think about, but Lord it will exact a change on our living and our practice. Lord, we just ask that you will do that in Jesus' name. Amen. And here's a prayer for illumination. Every present God, as we open your word, open our eyes that we might see both ourselves and the truth of our life-changing promises more clearly. And if for some reason your word doesn't seem to apply to us today, Give us a special gift of your Spirit so that we might store it up in our hearts. For when we need it the most, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, amen. I want to talk today about uh, the nightmare before Christmas. Um, This is quite funny to me because I remember part of this as being a, a writing that my spiritual father did many, many years ago when I was his associate, Ken Bombay. And he, he wrote an art a little... Back then, pastors used to write little articles on the back of the bulletin that we sent home with you. And um, his uh, words were, the nightmare is now over. And uh, then he made fun. He said, you know, nobody ever quotes me. So I decided that in the second service, I would quote him. But the fact was that he was resigning that Sunday. And so um, he resigned, and I said, well, I just want to quote the pastor. The nightmare is now over. (laughs) But I didn't mean for that. He laughed. I laughed. Uh, I was embarrassed more than I laughed. And uh, we have a great relationship. But the nightmare before Christmas. Zephaniah chapter 3. Christmas time always seems to mix our joy and hope with our sorrows and disappointments. We're forced to think about our lost loved ones, our relational breakdowns, our financial problems. And as we attempt to rest we're forced to confront many catastrophes we can't do anything about there's a slowdown in trades oil is down to its record low and there's still a refugee crisis and there still has been layoffs at work and someone in our life is still facing their illness and then we have the commercial trappings of christmas 60% off, 50% off. I mean, those sales used to come after Christmas. Now they come before. And they become a cheap distraction of the bigger problems we don't know how to solve. And sometimes it seems like our, com- our consumer culture is trying to focus on the celebration of Christmas while at the same time avoiding the pain. But Christmas is not about willful ignorance. It is the transformation of the very worst part of our world through God's saving incarnation. It is the transformation of the very worst part of the world through God's saving incarnation. And when we say that, we, what we're saying is that God He is saving us, the people, by the incarnation, which means God dwells in us or through us. He desires to transform society, not by just beliefs or thinkings, but it is truly by the fact that he came to dwell where we are at. That means God understands what you're going through. There's a lot of dysfunction in the world today. As I was going through stuff on my phone this morning, I came across that California is introducing the new bill that they are now going to tax their people on texting. Texting. Crazy, isn't it? They can't get you on your phone bill, so they'll get you on your texting. A young teenager killed his mother because they were arguing about his grades. There is so much dysfunction and things that are happening in the world, and they seem to happen at a faster and faster pace. You see, the prophets understood this. They knew the world was profoundly wrong in so many ways, and they understood that if God was sovereign, He wouldn't permit these injustices. So they began to preach began to bring hope that God would somehow make these wrong things right. Remember, they were still in utter darkness about to face about the face of God revealed in Christ, but they were compelled by the spirit to make unjust and unfaithful people confront the destruction they were creating. This is exactly what Zephaniah did when he prophesied over Judah and the surrounding nations. And this is Zephaniah speaking on behalf of God in chapter 3, starting at verse 6. Zephaniah chapter 3, starting at verse 6. I have cut off the nations. Their battlements are in ruins. I have laid waste their streets so that no one walks in them. Their cities have been made desolate, without a man, without an inhabitant. I said, Surely you will fear me, you will accept correction. Then your dwelling would not be cut off according to all that I have appointed against you. But all the more they were eager to make all their deeds corrupt. Therefore, wait for me, declares the Lord. For the day when I rise up to seize the prey, for my decision is to gather nations, to assemble kingdoms, to pour out upon them my indignation all my burning anger, for in the fire of my jealousy all the earth shall be consumed. Now, I don't know about you, but those words don't necessarily bring a lot of comfort. (laughs) It's kind of like your, uh, your government taking more taxes. It's not Something that's enjoyable. And surely if we stopped reading the Bible right here, we would have quite a portrait of God. He's the one who causes our sufferings. He responds to our evil by bringing his own destruction upon us. But watch how God seizes his prey. Watch what his burning anger accomplishes. For at that time I will change the speech of the peoples to a pure speech, that all of them may call upon the name of the Lord and serve Him with one accord. From beyond the rivers of Cush, my worshippers, the daughter of my dispersed ones, shall bring my offering. On that day you shall not be put to shame because of the deeds by which you have rebelled against me. For then I will remove from your midst your profound exalt ones, and you shall no longer be haughty in my holy mountain. But I will leave you in the midst a people humble and lowly. They shall seek refuge in the name of the Lord, those who are left in Israel. They shall do no injustice and speak no lies, nor shall they be found in their mouth a deceitful tongue, for they shall graze and lie down, and none shall make them afraid." God knows that the hardships of life have humbled us. But he consumes the earth by bringing people together. By helping them understand each other. By giving them a refuge. By giving them courage to do the right things. By giving them courage to speak the truth. And this is why we celebrate Christmas at the end of the world. It feels scary, wrong, to focus on precisely the things we want to avoid at Christmas. But those are the places where God's love wants to dwell in us, with us. What if we approach Christmas not as a time to escape our lives, but as instead a chance to be reconciled? What if we saw the grace on this season to make things right with our estranged loved ones? What if we celebrated Christmas by loving on people who called us an enemy? What if we embraced the nightmare instead of avoiding it? Maybe the kind of joy we're always hoping for to receive at Christmas is hiding behind the injustice
1: we're tolerating in our lives. I'll give that a little chance to
0: sink right from here down, and I'm going to repeat it. Maybe the kind of joy we are always hoping for for Christmas is hiding behind the injustice we are tolerating
1: in our lives. I'll tell you right now that none of us can
0: escape dysfunction. Dysfunction. We all have it in some form or another, not just the psychopaths or the people who have major mental disorders. There are things that are taking place in our lives that are promoting injustice, and we seem to live with that. and we pretend or we don't we protect ourselves from the love of God in order to minister to that stuff that we are holding on to some of us here don't even recognize the injustices that are taking place we've call it something else or something else is taking place we've disguised it as something positive or we've recognized it as somebody else's issue We can surely see it so clearly. We can see it clearly in someone else, but we have a very difficult time seeing it in ourselves. My first message in this series was, I said that Christ was here, was always born into the place of pain. Today, I want to tell you that Christ was also born into our place of greatest dysfunction. No matter whether we cause it or someone else did, The effect of the world-ending fire of God's love is that the humble are inspired to speak the truth and to do good towards others. We must repent to see the opportunity Christmas gives to us. God doesn't always destroy us. Sorry, God does not destroy us from the outside in. It might feel that way in some situations. When we feel like our world is falling apart, it's hard to know how God can redeem our circumstances. But this sort of earth-shaking nightmare is only the necessary start of Christmas. The incarnation means God steps into our midst permanently. He alone will save us. He alone will save us. I I read a book um, quite a while ago, and um, I'll tell you how I I usually read. I I have a book, and I buy the book, but I also buy the Audible edition. Because I find I get more when someone's reading to me as well I'm my reading. So when sometimes I've I've really enjoyed when we travel where I give my wife a book and she becomes the book reader. And she reads it, but in this case I just I have both versions but I wanted to point out that some of the things so when we talk about an incarnate we're talking about God coming to dwell with us. An ex incarnate is the opposite of that. So what happens is, is that many times we are, we are living out an ex-carnate faith rather than an incarnate one. Well, how do you do that? Well, I'll, let, I'll tell you, because I'm glad you asked that question. Here is, the, here is what happens. I'm pulling up my handy-dandy book, which is highlighted. Excarnation divides life into two worlds: the ideological world of ideas and fantasy and story and spirituality and religious faith; the second, the material world of action and work and building and serving and touching and caring. And some, we, when you live in an excarnate world, you separate those two things. Christianity becomes fantasy because, well that's a harsh word I'll probably use more is that it's a story it's something that we want to believe but we find it very difficult to see it actually have an effect on our lives and usually we live in a world where everything is physical touch material it's work it's building it's serving it's touching it's caring And often we minimize in Christianity, we minimize the latter and we tactically or actively affirm the former as the domain in which God operates. So God only operates in the things that we wish He would do or we want Him to do. But in actuality, He wants to work and has, and because He was incarnate, He is in our physical world. You see, he doesn't just want you to think about good things or believe about good things. He wants you to, in fact, live good things. And the problem is in our world today, we, have, we are getting more and more in ex In order to justify the things that are happening sometimes in our world, the, the disarray, the, the malfunction, the dysfunction, like I said, we often allow the two worlds to come apart. Because if, in fact, we don't deal with the dysfunction, we, we realize that it is now part of our everyday world. So we have to change our beliefs in order to make that dysfunction seem normal. Because you can't believe one thing and do another. And in this world today, we've got a lot of that. But you see, God came as a son, as a little baby, in a manger, to be incarnate, to give us a way in which we can bring and allow that, that ex-carnate way of thinking to be melded into one, an incarnate one. For in fact, your beliefs and your actions are congruent and are working together. Well, how do I know this? Well, we can have a great prophecy over this building, over our house, that God's going to create burning ones. Yet it's okay for me to go somewhere else to church. It's okay to do something else. We don't take God's word seriously. We say, "Yes, he's incarnate. Yes, he's going to come and bless us." But then we say, "Well, you know, I can do my own thing." There's an effect here that we have to Bring what God is saying and what He desires in the actions to come together
1: and they be one. Hope I'm making sense. You see, we must
0: repent to see the opportunity Christmas gives us. As I said before, God doesn't not destroy us from the outside in. It might feel that way. Especially when we feel our world is falling apart. It's hard to know how God can redeem our circumstances the incarnation means God steps into our midst permanently and He alone will save us. It's not a fantasy. It's not something that we have to think that it's going to be something in the far distant future, that it doesn't really matter about whether I'm
1: involved or not. You see, we won't
0: have joy or peace until we see the Savior step in to the middle of our nightmare. God's presence gives us the courage to make things right. Not because we save ourselves, because we trust that He will keep us safe and nourished through the end of the conflict. I've said many times over the last past year is that the world turns and allows us to think and allows us to grab, uh, grab a hold of our feelings that that is truth and that many of us, and I've seen it, go from pillar to post because the feeling is over there and then the feeling's over there and then I got to do that over there and then I'm going to do it because I don't feel at peace. But the fact is it's not about whether you feel it or not. It's a matter of whether you're walking in the truth that God is who He says He is. He has stepped into your world and He
1: desires to bring the peace and joy that you long for. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout,
0: O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day I shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. We need to remember who first heard God's redeeming promise of a coming king. Exiles under a foreign oppressor. Under the thumb of Rome, the Israelites longed for a savior, believed the promise that God would enter their midst so that they would never again fear evil. And what did God give them to fulfill that promise? Did he give a warrior king? Did he give a powerful zealot? Did he give a politician that says all the right things, looks good, is able to tweet our taxpayers' money? He gave us a babe in a manger. We do not see the incarnation properly until we look at the Christ child and see the fulfillment of God's promises. That's what Christmas is all about. It is the fulfillment of His promises in Christ. In other words, Christmas is a time where the sting of life can be healed by the appearance of of the insignificant, because it is the answer for life's problems. Let me say that again, because I like it. Christmas is a time where the sting of life can be healed. Not just covered, not just not thought about, but healed by the appearance of the insignificant. How often have we allowed the dysfunction to continue to take
1: place because we have passed over the insignificant? Because it was the answer
0: to your problem, to my problem. Luke chapter 2, verses 28 to 32 says, Simeon took him in his arms and praising God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, for my eyes have seen your salvation, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light For revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. Those who saw the baby Jesus, like Simeon, recognized him for the miracle that he was. So, the question needs to be asked. Are you and I waiting for God to appear in our life
1: like a rescuing warrior? Or are you looking for a baby? The Lord God is in your midst, a mighty
0: one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by His love. He will exult over you with loud singing. The might and the strength of God are revealed by how He rejoices over you, how He quiets you, how He sings over you, the kind of peace you long for during the holidays is found in the gentleness of God's presence. The word says, I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival so that you will no longer suffer reproach. Behold, at the time I will deal with all your oppressors I will save the lame and gather the outcast. I will change their shame into praise and renown it in all the earth. At the time I will bring you in, at the time when I gather you together, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth. When I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. Man, this is good stuff. And it was back in the Old Testament. Christmas begins in this season, but the miracle of the incarnation is only complete once his promise is fulfilled and your fortunes are restored. That's the thing about babies, they grow. If we repent and receive God in a way he longs to reveal himself to us, we will watch as his answer grows before our eyes. You might confront a loved one this Christmas, and it might not go well. But if God is with you, the answer to your disconnection has already started. The thing the Spirit is birthing in you will grow into maturity. You might not have enough money this Christmas, and you might only receive a marginal breakthrough. But if you see your deliverance in the form of a baby, you will know that the smallest gift is a sign that God has already provided for you in full. You might feel lonely and unfilled at this Christmas. But if you trust God is with you, you will see those he brings into your life as a precious gift.
1: And you will allow his presence to knit your hearts together. What will it take for all of us here in this room to anticipate his coming? I don't know about you, but the the years go by. At 55,
0: I'm remembering past Christmases and I'm looking at the one that's to come. And sometimes I have to be honest I don't anticipate the coming. Because I've allowed the influence of this world to influence the anticipation where it is just another thing that has to be done. It's another family gathering I'm going to get to go to.
1: It's another Christmas Eve service I have to prepare for. What will it take for us in this room to truly anticipate his coming? Can I suggest that maybe it's allowing God to deal with the dysfunction? To start to recognize the dysfunction. I don't know about you, but just a little bit of that I see when I walk into Costco.
0: It's not a Christmas time, it's in July when Christmas stuff come out. (laughs) Because all you get is that feeling that I've got to get that before it's gone. And it's July, not Christmas. But if I don't act now, I'm not going to get that lovely Christmas tree in July. I have to now hold back granny going down the toy aisle. <laughs> so what'd you spend on this time? Well, I got this great gift for Gracie and for a bye. Do they need another one? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that my wife is dysfunctional going down the toy aisle. Because... <laughs> All I'm saying is, is that the, the whole gammer, the whole pull is the mammon that creates the lack that you need to fill in order to buy to get that fullness happening. That's the, a part of the dysfunction. That it's normal to walk into Costco and to go buy something that you don't really need in order for you to feel fulfilled. I'm not saying it's, not, it's wrong to buy something at Costco. All I'm, trying to, all I'm trying to give you is an example that there are things that are taking place and pressures on our lives that we have just considered them as being normal. When in actuality, they're not normal at all. It just creates this this thought process that says i got to have that and I've got to fulfill my life by buying that certain thing. It is a function of, of dysfunction. Can we take a look at dysfunction? Really look at it and see where
1: Christ is born in us. Can we start at the place where life isn't fair?
0: My dad used to say to me, especially when I was fighting with my brother, and I would bring up the fact of all the things he did to me, and my dad's answer to me was, life isn't fair. I wanted to punch my dad because I thought that isn't really a nice thing to say because it just continued the the lack the injustice that was happening in my in what i thought was taking place in life
1: what is it that's an injustice for you where is it where life isn't fair Where is it where there is a lack
0: of peace in your heart and life? Because there's something missing. There's some injustice that has been done. There's a relational situation that is not resolved. There may be a
1: lack of finances. There is a problem at work. It seems like there's just no end to it. Maybe there's conflict at home
0: between you and your spouse. And it just never seems to get through, it never seems to just get healed. It just sits there like a cloud over you, and over the
1: relationship. I'd want to say this, is that at the
0: very place where that unrest is taking place is the very place God wants to reveal His joy and peace into your heart
1: and life. Because he came as a babe in a manger. You see, God has a desire to make,
0: to build in you and to fulfill in you his very design that he
1: has over you from the beginning of time till now. The
0: issues of dysfunction are not something that we have to once again at Christmas time slab a whole bunch of Christmas stuff on it and shove it down and pretend it
1: doesn't exist. God desires to uncover it in
0: order to heal it. And when it's uncovered, it's really our chance to repent. And repent means walk in the opposite direction. Because so often, dysfunction is we have tried to deal with it in our own way, by ourselves, and we cover it, pretend it doesn't exist, and go on with the things of Christmas. But what if... This Christmas, God is confronting that situation and saying, Why don't you make a change in how you deal with that and walk in the way I would have you to go? But that hurts. Yep. But I can minister to that because I came as a babe in a manger and to give you the, to make up for the deficiency that you think is taking place because of the hurt. I don't know about you, but when the one step takes the next step, goes the next step, there's something about the freedom that takes place when God starts to work. When the beliefs and the actions are going in the same direction, that is burning ones. Let me say that again, that is burning ones when our beliefs and our actions are walking in the same direction. Because the congruency that is there, the togetherness, begins to be a testimony louder than what you can say it begins to have a ripple influence on every part of your life. Because just as much as it begins healing this way, it is also creating dysfunction this way. You may be covering it, but it is giving a whole lot of ripples in the wrong direction. Church, we're coming into a new year. We need to allow the Spirit to not only give us what God loves and thinks and has done, but for us to walk in trust that the actions that we do in His midst will create an overwhelming revival renewal that will sweep the nation. It begins this Christmas your nightmare can turn around to be your salvation